Good morning. Good morning, everyone. The sun is shining. Wales are winning rugby matches. Manchester United are on the up. And I'm in a meeting this morning where God is making and keeping promises, which is better than the, uh, the rest. God is making and keeping promises to us in this place. What a good God. What a faithful God. What an outstanding God. A God who would give a couple who'd been asking him for 80 months for a child, he would allow them to conceive. What a good God, eh? What a great God. What a God that he would make of them a promise and he would keep the promise. What a good God. What a God who would heal a man who's injured himself on holiday doing something that most of us wouldn't advise him to have done in the first place. <laughs> what a gracious God. <laughs> what, what a day to be alive. Where God comes to us and says, I can do far more than you'd ever ask or imagine. According to the power at work within you, by the way, as we'll see in a moment. What a God who comes to us this morning and says, I want you to trust me simply in the same way that children trust their mum and dad for food. And then God comes to us and says, go for a walk, stretch out your hands, open your eyes, trust me because I'm going to do for you what I promised I said I would do. What a day when God comes to us and says, I want you to rethink how you feel about church. We're not here to, partic- uh, we're not here to observe, we're here to participate. We're not here to to stand and watch. We're here to stand and receive. What an exciting time to be alive. I feel sorry for all the guys who are meant to be sitting on the front row and aren't here. There's nowhere else I'd rather be today than here with you and with him. And I'm excited because Jesus is doing wonderful things this morning. And we're going to talk in a moment about... um, Well, we're going to talk more about some promises because that's what God's been speaking to us about this morning. He's a God who makes and keeps promises. There's no promise that he has made that he won't keep. No matter how many promises God has made, they're yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Last week, we looked together from Hebrews chapter 6 that the key for us obtaining the promises of God is to maintain an attitude of faith and perseverance that doesn't get lazy or sluggish, but says it doesn't matter how long it takes. I'm going to keep going until God gives us what he promised. There's nothing he can't do. Amen? He's the God of the impossible. Amen? He's faithful to his word. Amen? Poke the person next to you and say, are you an amen? Are you a living conduit of agreement with God? Are you an amen? (laughs) Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 1, please. I'm going to just share with you some some good news about things we've got going on this week. Uh, This is the start of our mission week in the university campus. Um, We are launching our March mission this week. I like the guy with the hat there. I think it's one of the guys sat at the back. And... um, 
This week, the Covenant College students are leading a mission onto the university campus. They're going to be down on the campus every day, sharing the gospel with people. Uh, we've got some halls booked out to uh, preach the gospel at lunchtimes. We've got some street work planned. We've got some evening events going on. Um, but this week, we're going to be out and about making Jesus famous to university students. And uh, if you're able to remember us in your prayers, please do, because there's a harvest ripe and plentiful, and we want God to open the door for the word. So will you remember us in prayer? Yep, thank you very much. It's an exciting time to be alive. And I'd like us to look this morning at the passage of scripture that we looked at together last Sunday from Acts chapter 1. So if I can have the other slides, Dean, that'd be great. Because we talked last Sunday uh, in preparation for our week of prayer. We were praying together on Monday about the work that's going on in Adamsdown. We were praying on Monday about the work that's going into the student community. We were praying on Monday for the mission trip that's going on with Tim to Valencia. And the Lord moved and spoke very powerfully because he's a God who hears and answers prayer. And last Sunday we looked together from Acts chapter 1 about the beginning of the the life of the disciples and how they gathered together to pray in Acts chapter 1 and four things happened. When they gathered together to pray, the, the Holy Spirit revealed to them God's purpose. He showed them through Peter, he showed them through the scriptures that he had a plan all along for the replacement of Judas. He wasn't phased by Judas betraying Jesus and he had a replacement all lined up. Because when we pray, not only are purposes revealed, but problems are solved. When we pray, God takes away our worry and he gives us his peace. When we pray situations that seem impossible, bow the knee to Jesus, just like that. Because when we pray, God releases people. And we saw in Acts chapter 1 last week that when they were praying together, God showed them that there was someone who'd been there all along, a man called Matthias, who was ready to take up the position of responsibility. Because when we pray, God's promises are realized. God is a God who makes and keeps his promises. God is a God who says, if you ask, you will receive. Not you might receive or that you can receive. Ask and you will receive. And we have been encouraged this morning already that God is a God who will keep all his promises. We've heard throughout our time this morning already promises of how God is able to save He's able to heal. He's able to restore. He's able to give barren women children. He is able to do anything because there's nothing he can't do. And I want you to have right in your mind this morning this picture of the God of promise who no matter how many promises he's made, he forgets none of them. He allows none of them to fall to the ground, but he will always keep his promises. And let's walk out day to day, week by week, with that confident expectation that whether it's in your family life, in your home, in your work life, in your um, traveling, in the managing of your money, in the looking after relatives, in your work for his kingdom, whatever it is, that God has a promise for you, for his purpose, and if you believe him, it'll come to pass. I can't believe the promises for you. I can't believe the promises for you. I can tell you the stories of how God has met my need, answered my prayer, 
built up my faith, but I can't believe God for you. But you are well able to believe God. He's totally trustworthy. He'll never let you down. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. And so as broad as God's purpose is, that's how wide the spectrum of his promises are. And that's why we encourage you to give thanks. That's why we encourage you to speak. That's why we encourage you to say amen, to give God praise, to put his words on his lips. Not because we want a loud congregation, but because we want to be a people who live by faith. And the Bible says, by faith we speak. It doesn't necessarily say by faith we shout. It's not the volume of your voice, it's the depth of your conviction. That's why we speak the word. So are you convinced, are you happy that God is a God who will keep all his promises? Because I've only got time this morning to talk to you about one. But I have a sneaky feeling that this is the one he wants us to appreciate more this morning. And in fact, I have a sneaky feeling that for us as Christians, this promise promise is the key to every other promise. This is the uber promise. Acts chapter 1 verse 1. I'm just going to read two short passages of scripture. Verse 1 of Acts chapter 1. I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up, after he had given orders through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After he suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While he was eating with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise. This, he said, is what you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, at this time are you restoring the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Turn over the page to chapter 2, please, and we're just going to read the beginning of Acts chapter 2. It's lovely to hear the rustling of the pages. Acts chapter 2 verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were staying. And tongues like flames of fire that were divided appeared to them and rested on each one of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different languages as the Spirit gave them ability for speech. After he'd been raised from the dead, because Jesus has been raised from the dead. After he was raised from the dead, Jesus proved himself alive in many different ways to his disciples. He's done that already here this morning. He's proven himself alive by answering a couple's prayer and giving them a child. He's proved that he's alive by healing a man when his family prayed for him. He's proven that he's alive by healing another man as one of his friends in the church prayed for him. He's proved that he's alive this morning because he's spoken to us and spoken through us. And we've felt and known his presence because Jesus is very much alive. 
He's not one of those superheroes who's just made it back through the rubble and the dirt, been lifted up and scraped and kind of dirty and dusty and tired and needs his wound licking and his stitches put back together. When God raised him from the dead, he raised him in victory, he raised him in power, and he raised him in glory. Jesus is the ultimate champion. He was dead, but he's alive and he'll be alive forevermore. Now, if we believe he's the head and we believe that we as the church are his body, then his life is our life. So if he has entered into victory, we have entered into victory. If he has entered into glory, we have entered into glory. If he has entered into power, we have entered into power. His experience is my experience. Because he is the head and we are the body. The head of the body has entered into victory. The body likewise will do the same. (laughs) Jesus is alive. He's awake and alive. He's ruling and reigning and he's very, very happy about that. That's the message that the early church had. You read Acts from beginning to end, you'll find they had one message. God raised Jesus from the dead. And Jesus eating with his disciples, Jesus spending time with his disciples says, don't leave Jerusalem. Because it's promised time. It's time for the Father's promise to be fulfilled. Ooh, what's it going to be? A Lamborghini? A new chariot? Finally my fishing boat back, Jesus, after three and a half years? Is it going to be salvation for my family? Is it going to be healing for my body? Is it finally going to be breakthrough in my ministry? You will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's the promise of the Father. You will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. (laughs) And because Jesus knows that the disciples like us today need to hear things more than once to understand it, he tells them again, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I've been thinking about that this week. I've been thinking about that a lot. I've been thinking about it first and foremost because Jesus said it. And it must be true. Because he's never told a lie. I've been thinking about it a lot this week because it's a statement filled with certainty. He said, you will. You will. You will. He didn't say you might. He didn't say you could. He didn't say you really ought to. He didn't say the majority will have the opportunity. He is very simple, as we heard this morning in his promises. He said, you will, you will, you will. And as we find from Acts chapter 1 to Acts chapter 2, they were. You will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when he comes upon you. You will be my witnesses. That's the promise that he begins the age of the church with. And if we are excited, as I saw this morning, about all the fulfillment of his promises concerning our own personal well-being, his promises to us that we would be healthy, his promises to us that we would have families, His promise to us that he can do more than we think or ask. Ought we not to be equally excited that he has also made us a promise 
that he will use us to extend his purpose. That you are the hope and the light of this world. You might be here this morning and you're not a Christian. Well, this passage introduces you to Jesus, who the Bible says suffered at the hands of lawless people in Jerusalem over 2,000 years ago. Even the rulers of the day made it clear that Jesus was an innocent man. He didn't deserve to die. But the religious leaders insisted that Jesus be killed. But Jesus was no ordinary man. He was the son of God. And his death wasn't simply a successful plot schemed up by his enemies to get rid of him. His death was part of God's own plan to put right everything that is wrong with this world and to fix everything that is broken. Jesus' death was more than the execution of an innocent man. It was a spiritual sacrifice. Jesus' death made it possible for God to bridge the gap between his perfection and our failings. All of us needed saving, whether we realized it or not. And so God sent his son into the world that whoever believes in him will not die, but will have everlasting life. To prove his message was true and to prove his power was real, God raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus is alive and he'll never die again. He has returned to heaven and he waits for the time when God the Father will send him back to this earth to bring this world and this age to a close. And if you believe that today, if you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, and if you're willing to say so, if you're willing to say that from now on you will trust in Jesus and live your life totally for him, then you can become a Christian. No one arrives in this world a Christian. No one is born a Christian. There aren't Christian countries. There are Christian parents, but not necessarily Christian families. I was born to Christian parents, but that didn't make me a Christian. But you can become a Christian, and you can become one today. And my friends, there are people that we meet in this city every day who need to and want to and are in fact looking to become Christians. Four Sundays ago, a man walked into this church. He'd never been to a church meeting in his life. And some friends of ours invited him out for lunch. He came to our house and had lunch and someone in our life group shared the gospel with him. He had never ever heard that God had raised Jesus from the dead. He'd been researching Christianity for two years. He'd been reading the Bible and listening to teaching. But he had never understood that God had literally raised Jesus actually from the dead. Within three days he was back in our house again asking if he could have a personal relationship with Jesus. So we led him to Christ, we baptized him, and I'm sure one day when he's brave enough, he'll share the story himself. But Jesus is in the business of saving people today and here in Cardiff. So if you've come here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you don't have to live another day without him. Becoming a Christian is the best decision I ever made. And I've enjoyed being a Christian more every day since. I really like being a Christian. I loved sinning. Sinning was great. Let's not pretend for a moment that sinning isn't fun. It's just it happens to be very fleeting. 
But Jesus didn't save me out of sin and into religion. He saved me from my sins and brought me into his life. (laughs) I love being a Christian. Do you? If you don't, we'll have an altar call for you later. You might have come here this morning and you're already a Christian. But when I read this story to you, this promise is far away. You've not known what it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You've never had that experience. You've never had happen to you what happened to these believers where the Holy Spirit comes upon you in power. He comes upon you in peace. He rests upon you because he's happy to live in you. And then he enables you to speak in a language you've never spoken in before. You might be here this morning and you've never had that experience because you've just become a Christian or because you've maybe never heard anybody talk about this from the Bible before. But the book of Acts, which is what we're going through as a church at the moment, is the perfect place to begin to get to know the person of the Holy Spirit. Did you know the Holy Spirit is mentioned over 50 times in the book of Acts? This is the book in the Bible that he's mentioned most often. In fact, he is the central character of this book. He's the only person present throughout from beginning to end. Jesus returns to heaven. Peter disappears halfway through. Takes nine chapters for Paul to turn up. Don't invite him to your party. He'll be late. But the Holy Spirit is there in chapter 1. And he's there in chapter 28. And he's there all the way through. And as you read through the book of Acts, you'll find that the most important person at work in the church, the most important person at work in the world today, the most important person that any of us could ever get to know is the person of the Holy Spirit. He's not merely a power. He's not merely a force. He's God himself. He can be loved. He can be worshipped. He can be talked to. He can be listened to. He can be pleased. He can be grieved Because he's a person. Do you know the Holy Spirit? Jesus said to all of us, Jesus said to every Christian, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you will receive power and you will be my witnesses. And for all of us today, that can be our present experience, whether for the first time or the 500th time, you can know the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. It might not be fire on your head. It might not be the sound of wind in your room, although the wind was blowing so strong in the garden this morning, I thought it was the Holy Spirit. But God will come upon you in the same way with his power and with his peace. And he'll cause you to speak to him in a language you've never spoken before. Jesus has not come to baptize us in the Holy Spirit so that we can speak in tongues. He's baptized us in the Holy Spirit so that we can be powers for witness. And the evidence that he's done that is that we speak in another language. That's what we believe and teach here at All Nations Church. Jesus will fill everyone who is thirsty. He will not force himself on those who are not. The Father will give the Holy Spirit to all who ask him. But if you don't ask, you don't get.
Ask and you will receive. As I look around the room this morning, most of you don't fall into either of those two camps. Most people, as I look around the room this morning, are people that know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and have received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. In this passage, Jesus says three things about the Christian and the Holy Spirit. He says, you will be baptized, you will receive power, and you will be my witnesses. Jesus did not say you might or that you could. He didn't say that some of you will or that the majority will. He didn't say that the leaders would or the young people would or the rich would or the wise would. He says you will all. Jesus makes his message very clear and very simple. You will, you will, you will. It's not a multiple choice question. Well, I'll choose the first one and the second one, but not the third. It's not a menu to select from. These are all realities for the Christian. You will, and he was right. He only speaks the truth. He didn't say you will feel powerful. And he didn't say you will feel like witnessing. He said you will receive power and you will be my witnesses. It's not a matter of feeling. It's a matter of faith. What he said is true. Whether I feel it or not. If you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you have received power. If you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you are a witness of Jesus. Notice that the baptism in the Holy Spirit does not make you a witness of the Holy Spirit. He makes you a witness of Jesus. The Holy Spirit has not come to draw attention to himself. He's come to put all the focus on Jesus. The most Jesus-centered people in the world, the most Christ-like people in the world, are people filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you will receive power. You will be my witnesses. You will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Is that something that you presently believe today? Is it something that you're actually laying hold of and accepting as true? When was the last time we spoke to ourselves and said, I have received the baptism of the Spirit. I am a witness of Jesus. I have received power. For we will move toward what we mention in our speech. Jesus said, you will receive That word means to actively lay hold of. It means to aggressively accept what is available. It means to accept with initiative. Picture in your minds, if you will, the child asking a father for food. Or the friend coming to another's late at night because he needs to feed a stranger. Those are the images that Jesus gave us for prayer. The child asking their father for food. A friend asking another for help. And Jesus said, neither will be denied. 
What kind of father gives their child a stone if you ask them for a fish? What kind of friend says to another, leave me alone, I'm not going to help you look after your neighbor? You all have friends that you can rely on, don't you? You can call them day or night, and you know for certain they're going to come to your aid. Those of you who are parents here know because the heart of God is in you and you're training your children up in the way they should go. When they ask you for things, you do everything in your power to meet that need, don't you? But our God is all the more generous and all the more kind. So are we aggressively accepting what he says is available? He said, you will receive. How ready this morning, friends, are you to receive? He came to us this morning and spoke to us and said that people would be healed. People would receive their sight. People would, oh, we could go on and on. But did we aggressively accept or did we passively watch? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. (laughs) You will actively and aggressively accept power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Let me ask you some questions this morning. I've been asking myself these questions this week. Are you passionately pursuing the person of the Holy Spirit? Because he's passionately pursuing you. He's passionately pursuing you. Holy Spirit wants a personal relationship with every person in this world. The Holy Spirit wants a personal relationship with every member of this church. The Holy Spirit is wooing and longing and reaching. He's the person behind that provision. He's the person behind the healing. He's the person behind the answered prayer. And he's working and saying, hello, it's me. It's not only the gift. I'm the giver. Look at me. And so often we just see the gift and we move on. But he's kind, he's gracious. And the next time we're in need, we call on him for answer. The child is away from the Lord. We fast and pray and the child is back. And we praise God for the gift. And the giver is going, look, it's me, it's me. Hi, I'm here. I was talking with a friend of mine recently. I said, how's your walk with God going? He said, well, the Lord's told me that I treat him like a genie. I said, what? He said, well, the Lord's told me that I treat him like a genie. I only come to him to make wishes. He said, I've got to make some changes. Are you passionately pursuing the person of the Holy Spirit? Because he is passionately pursuing you. Are you actively laying hold of the power that is available? Are you actively laying hold of the power that is available? It's there. It's available. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's available. Are you accepting with initiative your assignment as a witness? Or when your work colleague 
who's asking you questions about Jesus comes to make coffee, do you go and hide in the toilet? The Holy Spirit is the greatest promise. He's the greatest promise. He is the most precious of people and the most important at work in this world. He's the God of power and peace and purity. And he wants to work in and through every life in this room here this morning. If you're not a Christian, the Holy Spirit is the person who's been leading you towards Jesus closer and closer since the day you were born. If you're a Christian and you don't know him in the way we've described this morning, he's brought you here today because he wants to lead you into a greater and deeper relationship with him than you've ever known before. And if you're here this morning and you've been a Christian for a long time and you can tick all the boxes of the things I've mentioned, the Holy Spirit is very gently stirring you again. Very kindly provoking you again to say, I am able to do far more than you would ever ask or imagine according to the power that's at work within you. So how about it? How about an adventure with me? How about a little bit of danger? How about a tiny bit of nerves? How about stepping out like you've never done before? How about seeing a miracle that you've never seen before? How about moving in a gift that you've never moved in before? How about meeting your neighbor that you've never met before? How about bringing to mind that promise that you've left on the shelf for so long? Oh, the Holy Spirit is so eager and so ready and so willing to move. And wherever he finds faith and wherever he finds hope, he'll come. Would you stand to your feet for a moment, please? We've heard lots this morning. The musicians could come back up, please. Okay. God is a God who makes and keeps his promises. All of them. And the greatest promise, the the first promise he makes us as we come into the book of Acts is this. You will receive the Holy Spirit. Allow you a moment with the Lord now. We're going to do some things in a moment. But if you want to take a moment, you lift your hands. You can pray, you can talk to him. Because the Holy Spirit has things that he wants to say and show to you as an individual in this moment. Okay?
We're not in a rush. We have time. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit came and rested upon each one of them. He's the God who will come on peaceful people in a peaceful way. To those of us who are here this morning and we are walking with Jesus, we're Christians, we've known the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives in the past and even in the present. But you know that the Lord is working in you right now and calling you on to a deeper relationship with him, more power for service, greater boldness in witness. You just lift your hands to the Lord and devote yourself to him as we sing this song. If you've come here this morning and you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you haven't had the experience I've described, you're still waiting for the promise of the Father to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I want you to come to the front and stand to my right, to my right, to your left. And if you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you know that you want, having heard the message this morning, to follow Jesus from this day forward. This is a big step too. You can poke your friend who's brought you, you can talk with them, but come down and stand here to my left, to your right, as we sing this song.